If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 321 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Graham McDonald to talk about a big week, as always, in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, we're literally moments out here uh, from the main event of Corey Sandhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. We'll get into that whole card next week's card and uh, and a bit more as well here but today we must tell you that there's big news because support for this podcast is brought to you by manscaped who as you know are the best men's below the waist champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels and they've just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe you heard that right the 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer you can get 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com myself and graham have just got ours uh in the door i think yesterday i got mine uh, they're absolutely fantastic. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance, craftsmanships and details of the 4.0 are absolutely next level. Brought up, we had the 3.0 for the last while and it's really moved on. This is this is the, the next level. So Manscaped's engineering the uh, engineered even the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly f- uh, comfortable grooming experience the fourth generation trimmer features the the cutting edge ceramic blade which we all know by by now to reduce the accidents and it has the skin safe technology which we all know about so you're confident in shaving those boys this upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock it also gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave the 4.0 allows you to customize your trim to additional guard lengths which is absolutely fantastic one to four did i mention wireless charging the new wireless charging system uses ergonomic our ergonomic electromagnetic induction uh, which can help battery lint last longer min if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face you'd be doing it wrong no person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth and that's a fact it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with manscaped to make the me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth balls so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com your balls will thank you. That's 20% off. Free shipping with the code severemanscape.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. All right, Graham. Uh, it was. Uh, we're here at what? Three o'clock in the morning just uh, after TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen. Uh, and it was a pretty mad night. Like the, the last few weeks, we haven't really been getting like straight into the fights. Uh, afterwards, or, or unless it's <laughs> obviously the, the the McGregor one, but going through the fights. But I feel like last night, or our last evening, as most people listen to it, are here now or tonight, uh, will kind of want us to go through some of these fights because they were so insane. Um, especially the main event. We'll get to that in a second. One thing I really wanted to talk about in this card, uh, throughout this card, in lots of different fights, was. The ability for durability to really reign in MMA. You know, I was looking at uh, the fight between, I'm just uh, looking at it here, Randy Costa and Adrian Yanez. And Randy Costa came out in that. 
And I remember, all I can remember was Dan Hardy, and I was talking to him on the interview I did before the McGregor fight, talking about, you know, the stance switches and uh, SOPA versus Orthodox and SOPA versus SOPA. And he was kind of saying, in future, that won't exist, that everyone will be, like, two-sided. Everyone will be a switch fighter. And Randy Costa might be one of the most natural fighters we've ever seen doing that. But Adrian Yanez just stood up to him. You know, his durability, his ability to take a shot and keep coming was just better than Costa's and it won him the fight. Darren Elkins, I would say the same for him. Dillashaw even at times, I would say the same for him. Paiva, I would say the same for him. Uh, Like four of the main card fights, I would say were almost won on durability at times. Or certain, if not won on durability, not lost because of durability. And I I really think like our sport has... uh, gotten so much better in terms of technique in terms of what it takes to win a fight um you know whether it be being unbelievably well-rounded or being like really elite in lots of different areas but that ability to take shots you know take a lip uh, take a licking and keep on ticking is something that will always stand the test of time. You know, it was the uh, anniversary of UFC Dublin this week, and uh, I, 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 you could always remember Carl Pinder, you know, and Conor McGregor afterwards, and you can't beat that guy. Well, if you, there are certain fighters you just cannot beat that guy, uh, and I think tonight was one of those nights. Before we get into all those fights, Graham, what do you think about that? Like, I know you've down through the years, obviously watched as many fights, or if not more than than me, and seen people uh, in training and stuff that ability to just not be broken that turns into the ability to break other people is just an astonishing thing to have as a fighter isn't it yeah it's, it's like a drive or it's like a delusion nearly it's it's like oh well, this guy will tire himself out uh, if he keeps he keeps his level up and you kind of saw that in the in the Kyler Phillips fight he kind of thought he had the, the finish in the first round was really going for it uh, the bell kind of it looked like it was going to be finished the bell kind of saved uh, Paya how do you say that how do you say his name uh, Paiva I think Paiva mm-hmm. I think there was a few there was a few different pronunciations going on but uh, the bell kind of saved them at the, at the end of the round and I think Phillips maybe you know exerted a bit too much energy there and uh, you see that like you know uh maybe a lot of other fighters would have not moved or like uh, for example um you mentioned Carl Pendred there, you know, he mentioned to me before, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but I, uh, he's, right after that uh, Carvalho fight, uh, he was in a real bad triangle armbar. And uh, I was just talking to him, I was like, oh, what, were you close to tapping there? What, what were you thinking? And he was like, oh, I was just thinking, you know, uh, if my arm snaps here, I'll tell the ref, oh, I'm double jointed, I'm double jointed. Jesus. You know what I mean? That's the kind of attitude you kind of yeah. have to... These really, like, you know, Darren Elkins, Carl Pendred guys have to have you. It's kind of, there isn't even the possibility that you're going to give up. You know, there's, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not even a, in the conversation in your, with yourself in your mind. Yeah, like, the, the, the most dangerous thing, I think, in MMA going forward, it's not like, let's, let's say, you think the, the most dangerous thing going forward could be like, imagine if Conor McGregor and Habib were put together, you know, and you made that one excellent fighter. My, I think the biggest issue going forward in MMA for like the top level is like a Darren Elkins with the ability of a McGregor and a Habib put together. <laughs> like, that. that is... It's funny because like we sometimes we look at MMA and we always talk about the progression of MMA. Like they talked about it after the main event tonight, just briefly, um, how good technically that fight was. And I actually think it was maybe a little bit overrated in terms of technique, not in terms of a fun fight. It was fantastic, but we will obviously get to it. But um, yeah, I was going to say that Daniel Cormier was saying you won't see a better fight ever. I was just yeah. like, uh, I don't know about that. We've seen a lot it was a very very good fight, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, but I, I really, good fight, really good it was. That, but it was a bit overboard. I actually think it's a funny thing. When we get to a stage where technique, and we're actually getting very close to it in terms of the techniques we have at the moment kind of being universal, and that's what I always talk about BJJ and how it's becoming less effective because everyone knows it very well. The same thing will happen, not necessarily becoming less effective, but everyone will be able to strike very well off of you know either side. Everyone will be able to kick the calf very well. Everyone will be able to do everything very well. And it'll come down... And being... Sean will be saying, uh, striking doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll yeah, be I your will. new stick. I will, I will. But like, I feel like when that happens, fighters like this who have that ability in terms of technique and tactics... The fighters who have, like, the basic madness or the basic fucking war within them 
are going to shine a lot. Like, and maybe tonight wasn't a great example of all of it. Maybe in the main event it kind of was a little bit, but I, I, I think that's a very interesting thing to look at going forward. We do this an awful lot, I suppose, on the podcast to kind of point at things um, to to look at going forward. I really think that is a thing that we we should. Well, it can really overcome. On. You can overcome a lot if you look at like okay. Elkins, obviously tr- throughout his career. Like you know, uh, one that stands out uh, to me is uh, re- recently retired your boy. Um, Darren, or what's his name? Uh, Sorry, Bektich, Bektich, Bektich. Uh, you know, obviously he's much more well-rounded and skilled uh, in nearly all departments, if not all departments uh, of actual martial arts than than Elkins. But Elkins, you know, just took took it in that fight. It's kind of similar to what he did in this in tonight's fight. He just took it, and then he, he you know took over once the the kind of popping the punches or the the mental kind of he broke him he, bro- he broke him by refusing yeah, to be broke tide, yeah. the me- mental tide tide had turned just through for- sure force of will like that's that's like you know Kyle Pender would tell himself like he wasn't like the most talented MMA fighter but he went in there and you know beat some very talented MMA fighters uh, with Ability and with though mixed in with that, and I think primarily, primarily like what he'll be remembered for is, you know, his never say die attitude, and that's that's something that like you know, you, you either have it or you don't. I think I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, maybe you can you can improve it or something, but uh, I think to be one of these like really you know top level guys, like we're talking like these MMA guys, we kind of forget because we're desensitized to it how tough all of these MMA guys Absolutely. are, like even down to an amateur, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the amount of like uh, balls it takes to, for the lack of a better word, to to fight in this game and then to dedicate your life to this is, is amazing really and we we never really talk about that because we've been watching for so many years but you know uh you know a lot of people like most of the population wouldn't wouldn't put themselves in at <laughs> risk and in these situations us included yeah and i also think like it's not just about that desire to win it because if you have that it's as you said you can't teach it but so, uh, i think as well i think uh, mcgregor has a touch of this i think sean uh, sugar sean has a touch of this even randy costa sometimes when you have the ability to come out and be like excellent early and not necessarily just early but sometimes your body won't allow you to get through those moments you know whether that's from a cardiovascular point of view or whether that's you know your leg getting injured or whether that's just someone being on the opposite side who has a better ability than you in that area even though you might have a better technical ability than them that's that's a huge thing like some of the best fighters in the world have that and they can hide it for a long time like a lot of MMA as well, still today, is hiding like your inadequacies. Like, look at look at Habib, one of the greatest fighters of all time. He he's not the greatest striker of all time. He's a he's an okay striker, a good striker. He showed a jab, you know, he nearly knocked Conor McGregor out. But if you were able to get Habib in just the boxing match, you a lot of people would probably fancy beating him. I'm sure McGregor, I'm sure Poirier, I'm sure a lot of people, Michael Johnson would fancy beating him. You know. But he was able to hide that ability, and that's good technique, and that's good tactics. And the same goes for McGregor, and the same goes for lots of these fighters. Uh, and obviously, as as I mentioned, going forward, maybe that's something that you can't, uh, that uh, that you know, won't be possible. But I feel like tonight was there, there was just so many, there was just so many examples of it on this card where these guys just kind of shining through and coming through it, and refusing to, to lose while being tough as fuck and just standing up to everything was just an, a, absolutely fantastic and let, let's start I suppose at the uh, at the Yanis fight and we'll run through uh, the undercard there didn't very quickly uh, that one to me like Costa looks so good and I, know I mentioned it already that I thought he was going to run through Yanis to be honest the way he started that fight I thought he looked very good even yeah, towards the jab was working, yeah. working brilliant he it looked like it was you know as you said he was switching switching stances he looked like he was really comfortable flowy and you know Yanis was taking a lot of damage but yeah he just kind of stayed in there he never shied away from it he he you know he turned it around pretty quick maybe he showed his experience a bit uh, you know Randy Costas obviously this is only his eighth fight so you know he definitely has a lot of potential still but it's a very good win for Yanis yeah, I even thought at the end of the first, when Yanez kind of turned it around a little bit, uh, I thought Costa might have enough coming into the second, but 
like Yanez as well. I, I think a lot of people will talk about that fight and we'll talk about Yanez's technical ability, how it beat Costa in the end. And it absolutely did. But I think the most important part was that durability and was his ability to just keep going a little bit longer and also to keep uh, taking a little bit more damage than Costa took. Like if you put all that damage together in the fight up until maybe the, the very, very end, you know, you could have a very good argument that Yanez took more damage. And in fact, I think he probably took a lot more. But still, he was standing and Costa wasn't, you know, even before the, the kind of finishing blow came. And that is a big thing in, in MMA. If you, if you have that ability, you're brilliant. And the, the ending, I think Luke Thomas tweeted, but watching it back, it was absolutely beautiful. The way Yanez uh, kind of went high and he kind of touched, touched, then went to the body. And then as Costa kind of ducked to, or not ducked, but like went down to uh, to block the body, Yanis came right over the top again. And uh, I think he hit him with a bit, an uppercut, was it, or a jab? And, but it hurt him anyway with that shot through the middle and he went back to the body again. It was just beautiful technical work that was allowed to to uh, be shown by his durability and his balls and his t- toughness and his heart. It was uh, really, really good. And, you know, Yanez in, in that bantamweight division, and even Costa, I still like, I still think Costa's a very good fighter. I wouldn't uh, say many bad things about him. You know, comes out very, very quick and maybe that's something he needs to, to work on uh, going forward. But a lot of people won't be able to take that round one madness from him. But Yanez, you know, with that ability, with the technical ability and with that heart and, and everything as well that you can add to it, he's uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with as he climbs. The, the only thing I would say that if you do start like that and if you do take a licking like that against a lot of bantamweights, it's going to be very tough to survive against someone like a Santag and uh, or you know even uh, whoever it might be as as you climb up the division. So uh, I think uh, he's not there yet, but uh, but getting there like Aaron Rod Aaron. But um, yeah. Um, on the undercard, then I actually my because my internet has been shit all day. I missed the opening fight, Diana Balachia, but she got a unanimous decision uh, over Hannah Goldius. Cut the Sajara Eubanks fight. Bit of a mismatch this one. She did look good yeah. though. Um, did you? Did she immediately got a takedown yeah. and smashed her pretty much uh, from the first second until the what was it one minute ago in the round when it was finished. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't really get to see much of Reed, but you know, maybe it looked like a squash match. But you know, maybe she can show herself to be a better fighter than she was. You know, yeah. she didn't get much chance to get off when you're when you're on your back after ten seconds and Eubanks is on top of you. It is a it is a difficult situation, but. Uh, you know, it's on your fifth fight uh, as a pro, so uh, it's hard to it's hard to judge her. Yeah, I, I thought Eubanks did well because usually she she gets on top and she spends a lot of time there and doesn't maybe land as much. I thought she did that at the start, maybe gave it a minute to establish the position, um, didn't work herself kind of into a better position, and then started landing the shots up and the output and got the finish from there. So I thought it was a beautiful performance. One as well, you know, we talked about her cardio maybe in the past, and if she fights like that where she maybe takes takes a minute to establish the position and maybe gets a little bit of win back say if that was in the second or third round and then starts to launch in like that well you know 90 seconds of damage from a tough top position is well enough to win most rounds so um good stuff from eubanks and, and one yeah, i wonder if it's like forward. a game plan to be more urgent today or if it was the fact that reed was kind of offering no resistance on the ground so, so yeah. she just kind of you know i can posture up here i can i can go to work I was thinking of yeah, I was thinking the same as hard to know. I I would like to think it's it's uh, herself, but you know I would probably bet on it being the level of opposition. Um, Julio R setting got a, a lovely finish over Andre Yule. Um, he was I thought he was landing a more impactful shot in round one. Uh, Yule, it was one of those fights where. Every time you will try to throw a punch, Arshay was counting, uh, countering him and just hurting him. And it kind of stopped Yule from doing anything. And Ryan, a little bit of the Makachev fight from last week where every move um, he made was just kind of the perfect move. And his opponent kind of gave up on what he was trying to do. Now, Yule didn't do that. He kept coming and it actually kind of ended up badly for him in the end. I thought it was a good stoppage from T- uh, Tognoni. I know a few people were giving out about it, but uh, I-, I think Yule, you know was only taking more shots he was there was only more unnecessary damage coming and i didn't think he was uh, defending himself uh correctly so uh, i thought it was a good stoppage and a good performance and a good performance as well by mickey gal uh, got the rear naked choke uh, very uh, easily and very quickly over Jordan Williams, who he dropped at one stage as well with a bit of an elbow uh what do you think of the performance what about it we i know we talked about it a little bit last week mickey gal versus ian gary i like that fight yeah uh- 
I thought I thought Gal's striking offensive striking looked looked much better than we've seen previously. His yeah. defensive striking still looked a bit suspect, but uh, you know he's he's still uh, he's still early in his career, I suppose. He's kind of been been around a long time, but yeah, for a strange reason, the CM Punk reason is obviously not um not a usual thing. So um, obviously uh, he came in as an underdog here. He dropped his opponent straight away. He. I think he was maybe could have got a could have got a TKO uh, if he had a not straight away gone to grapple, but he nearly got a nearly got a couple of submissions or nearly got a guillotine submission. I think it was before he before he got the rear naked choke. So you can't really argue with that when he puts the guy away in, inside three minutes with a with a finish. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Imovov didn't look good as well. Basically, went halfway through the fight beating Ian Heinish. I think Ian Heinish. When he kind of came into the UFC, we thought he might be a little bit better than he's turned out to be. But I think Imovov is a very, very good fighter. And he brought a lot of pressure in terms of his striking and landed lots of big shots. Uh, and he's a guy you cannot mess with in that middleweight division. I think he's a guy who will, who will uh, rise through the ranks pretty quickly in a, in a weak middleweight division. Um, as well, Brendan Allen against Punahela uh, Sahariano. It was funny, I was actually watching for, for next week's card a bit of Brendan Allen. I, you know, he fights a lot of fights like he does in this one, you know, comes forward and tries to land big shots. Um, and it's not always successful for him, and he's not always actually able to do it because of his opponent's ability. But in this one, look, I thought it was a, a, a close fight. I thought he won the second and third. Uh, the f- I gave Soriano the first. Uh, Daniel Cormier acted like... Uh, it was the the greatest disgusting score of all time to score the first round uh, for for against Brendan Allen even even though almost everyone scored it <laughs> the, the opposite way oh my god I I can't get into another Daniel well, Carmen I, I think two judges so agreed on more yeah it, they did the but it, it was one of those ones. It was one, uh, okay. Maybe what I said there was a bit, uh, a bit as too a, much. But as a, a judging, aficionado, a judging, yes. uh, yeah, the, yeah, the legend. It was a close round. I could, if Daniel Carmio wants to score that 10 9 Allen, I can absolutely see how he scores a 10 9 Allen. I scored it the other way, but to say it, it's 100% could not be anything but that, or you're an idiot, is just like insanely right he literally called someone basically an idiot on online or on the uh, on the broadcast for saying it like he just hasn't a clue he's he's awful in every single way Carmier. there's just nothing good about him he's not funny he's not smart he doesn't he never says anything intelligent his technical breakdowns of the fights are just how he would fight the fight and it's grand if fucking some american wrestler is fighting but we've tj delisha and Corey sanhagen in a minute not really anyone on the card like him and he's commentating as if they're like heavy american wrestler who's has lost every big fight they've been in like it's oh my god it's just so we'll talk about this later we've calmed down Uh, i actually like I just want to know when it's going to end. I just, I, I don't know how much more of Daniel Carmier I can take on the broadcast. What can Man, we do? They're so happy with him, they gave him a big bonus now. Oh, God. Can we, like, can we pick it outside the UFC officer or something? <laughs> Get rid of Daniel Carmier. Yeah, like, it takes a lot to annoy me in that sort of thing because I'm used to listening to bad commentary for years. But he is so exceptionally terrible in every single way. It's actually insane. And don't, mm. like, Dominic Cruz is getting worse as well. It might yeah, be might is. be time to go back to the old, very low volume in the, the Mike Goldberg days. It might be might yeah. be time to go back to that. I think it might be actually. Yeah, it might be. Um, having said that as well, and this is a tough argument to jump straight <laughs> to after saying that, but from a, maybe a more educated point of view, or maybe a more head on your shoulders point of view, I didn't think it was a great night for judging. To be honest. Um, the Miranda Maverick Macy Barber fight. It came down to the second round. Look, Barber won the third. I think all three judges said that they did. And Maverick, uh, the first, all three judges said that. It came down to the second. I went back and I watched it. Uh, I think Maverick should have won the fight, to be honest. I do not think this is a good decision. What did you say, robbery? Uh, Come on, this is what people want to know. Robbery or no robbery? Uh, from what we have in MMA today... The, the, oh, I'm going to say it. Oh, hold on, let me explain it. From the level of judging we have in MMA today, if you were to say about bad decisions, this is one of the worst decisions we've had in years, I would say, because we don't really have that many bad decisions. So I will. Go on, I'll throw robbery at it. I, this I is the worst decision since uh, Leslie Smith, Sinead Kavanagh. Oh, there was one there recently. There was a terrible one recently. Remember that one in, was it PFL or Gleason Thibault one? That was, that was bad, but I think this one was worse. There was another one... 
I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was not great. Like, I went back and watched it, and it came down to Macy Barber landed one nice elbow against the cage, and in the second one, that wasn't bad. But Maverick got on top towards the end and landed like six or seven shots after she had been relatively even on the feet, if you include Macy Barber's elbows and stuff. Um, so, it's one of those ones, you know, if, uh, my, my good friend, uh, <laughs> Beidava says, it's not about agreeing, it's about understanding, um, and I definitely don't agree with anyone who gave this to Barber, and I find it very hard to understand anyone who gave it to Barber either, um, so yeah, I do not think that was a good decision at all, um, and then the Piva Phillips one, I think that was bad as well. That was a 10-8. That first round has to be a 10-8. Yeah. yeah, it has to be a draw, that one. One judge got it right. Um, so, yeah, I like think he that's... He finished them a, a few times at the end of that round and was saved by the yeah. bell. Yeah. Come on. Like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you have to do to get a 10-8 if that's not a 10-8. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think the, the 10-8s are changing. Uh, so that's the thing. I don't know if it's going to be the start of next year or whatever, but... Uh, I think it's an issue in Las Vegas. We've seen, look, we've seen Texas down through the years and we've had issues there because they don't bring in the correct judges and everything like that. But I think we're having issues in Las Vegas now because they're doing too much chopping and changing. Um, I saw a few different people actually tweeting about that tonight and they're giving, I think the judges, when they get together as, uh, who was it? Scott Fontana, I think said it. And I've said it before on this podcast as well. That when the judges get together and they kind of, uh, go through the criteria and they have and I've spoken to Ben about it on the podcast so you can go back and listen to those if you're on severemed.com just scroll down and you'll see the podcast here in the uh, on the page where this podcast is um, and we've spoken about how judges have their reckoning of the criteria how they understand the criteria and I think it's very very intelligent and we've spoken through it uh, before but I feel like the commissions at the moment are trying to adjust that understanding a little bit and are trying to do it because of the idiocy we hear from the likes of Daniel Carmia and people in the public who don't really understand the criteria and who don't go through it like these judges do. I think leaving these judges to kind of their own of in the their own devices to judge the fights correctly has worked very well for the last few years, I think. But trying to change that, people don't realise people want change when we don't need change. We've got the change a few years ago and judging has improved significantly. If we adjust it from here in certain ways it's going to get worse now there are certain things maybe they could get better don't get me wrong but if we're taking away uh, the ability to score 10 eights as uh you know with with the 3ds like we have been doing for the last few years if we're less uh inclined to score them that's a big issue because we get fights like this where it should have been a 10-8 in the first round and it's not given. And was that because of the directive that's been, that, you know, the Nevada said Atletic Commission are giving out? I, I don't know. I don't know. I see, I see a few people saying it online and maybe, you know, may, I haven't spoken to anyone who's judging over there, so may, maybe not. But it's uh, it's one of those ones where it's uh, difficult. Uh, it's a difficult one going forward and I don't think it's for the good. And everyone's complaining tonight about it. But they also complained about when we got the correct scores over the last few years and we had the right 10-8s and they gave out about those 10-8s as well. So if this doesn't say you can never please anyone or you, you'll definitely never please everyone... Uh, what more can you say so yeah anyway there's my rant on that one um what about darren elkins graham what about him this this fight against Derek oh. minner I, I didn't think he was coming back to be honest i tweeted he hasn't exactly what he wants but uh, oh, i went on i went on to the betting uh try and get the betting odds once uh the second round started and it was suspended i was like oh, i'd love to put a <laughs> of course cheeky was, tenor here on, on elkins. 10 to 1 on darren elkins wins i just i was refreshing i was refreshing refreshing but it, it wouldn't come back but uh, you know, Elkins obviously we talked about him earlier, that heart, that determination, that um you know, durability, the toughness, all of that stuff. You know, he was in a lot of bad positions. Uh, he was getting he was getting run over in the first round. That was a gotta be like, you know, ten eight. Uh yeah. you know, if the if the co main event wasn't ten eight, uh maybe this wasn't, but you know, I think it should have been ten eight either way. And uh you know, Elkins. If if it wasn't Elkins, you'd be thinking, no, this is this is a matter of time. But uh, you know, fair fair play to Elkins. He 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 did what uh what he always does. <laughs> he hung he hung in there. He uh, he out gutted, he out hearted um, his opponent, and you know, uh, 
you would think that like how long he's been around and how many times he's done this, you can't do this forever. You can't do this for the, even anywhere near this long, but he, you know, he, he's still doing it. Here he is, you know, 2021, still doing it. 35 fights deep. So, uh, yeah, fair play to Darren Elkins. He, he, he's, uh, you know, he'll be remembered for a lot of things, you know, he'll remember for that, that tattoo he got a few years ago. He'll be remembered for, <laughs> he'll be remembered for his, his ridiculous comebacks. And, you know, this would be, you know, uh, once in a career comeback for most fighters, but this is, you know, if you looked at Twitter timeline right before the the second round started, a lot of people were, you know, yeah. half joking but half serious. <laughs> that, you know, this is, as you said, this is exactly what, <laughs> exactly, what he wants exactly where he wants him. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, and you, like, you have to give it to him as well that, uh, look, I suppose if people haven't seen the fight and they're just listening tomorrow, basically what happened was, Derek Minner took him down and he just beat the living shit out of him, basically. It felt like Elkins was getting overwhelmed so bad on the ground in terms of the grappling, in terms of just being taken down, that it felt like he was kind of giving up those positions and trying to bring Minor down into his guard just to tire him out a little bit because, uh, and that's a ridiculous thing to say, but that's what it looked like. It wasn't that, 100% wasn't that. It was Minner winning that fight and doing very well in that position, but... He was overwhelming Elkins so much it almost looked like Elkins was was playing along with it, and it was it was as bad of a beatdown as you can almost get without a ten seven. You know, I thought it was a ten eight. I agree with you, Graham, a hundred percent. And he like he had the duration, he had the dominance, and he got the damage late in that round, especially. And it could have been finished, as you said, but Elkins. It was one of those ones where Minner came out in the second round and he kind of did the same thing. You know, he took Elkins down almost immediately, if I'm not mistaken, was landing shots on top. But there was a point where he got where he was kind of, it wasn't quite in half guard or it wasn't in mount. You know, one of those kind of side positions where he was landing a few shots and some people would go to their knees, they would try to cover up and they'd you know take maybe five or six shots to the side or the back of the head on either side and ended ended up getting finished. But Elkins kind of just rolled and kind of half caught a leg or half got on top. And the second he did it, you could see the life just edging out of Derek Minner. You could just see it. He was just like, no, I'm getting Darren Elkins here. And he was like, no. I've seen this movie before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like, oh, my God. And the poor, you have to feel sorry for him. Because like, it, it's just, you put everything into it. You throw all your best shots and you know this guy isn't going away. And even if you ha- have the ability to get Darren Elkins off you and get another takedown again, you just know Darren Elkins is still not going anywhere and we're halfway through the fight. You have to do all of this again and still not end up on top uh, or on the bottom against Darren Elkins and still not end up with him throwing big shots and big elbows on you. That must be an unbelievably tough task to face. And uh, unfortunately for Minner, he wasn't able to do it, but Elkins rolls on and this man... I hope MMA never loses this. You know, I talked earlier about these next level of fighters that are going to be just unbelievably good. And we're seeing them coming, you know, we're seeing them already. Um, But I hope we still have these mad bastards in MMA. I really hope we never lose that. Just these hard fuckers who refuse to give up. Maybe not the best fighters in the world, but are just the toughest son of a bitch motherfuckers that you'll ever see. I, I love him. I love Darren Elkins. He'll forever be on Team Sheehan. What a legend. What a le- Oh my god. Uh, did you see my tweet was on TV? I love Darren Elkins so much and I, I, I don't mind it. I, I'm happy enough with that. What a what a performance from Darren Elkins. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and you could say the same about Paiva. He was almost knocked out about five or six times in that fight and kept coming and won the majority decision in the end. Uh, great performance with him, but as we both agree, I think that one should have been a draw. But uh, yeah, we discussed that fight anyway. Let's get to the main event. So, um, TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sandhagen, how'd you score it, Graham? First of all, I suppose. I actually had a 48-47 for Santagen, but, yeah. you know, there's some very close rounds in there, and I, I don't think you can be arguing too much either way. Yeah, I, 48-47 I, either way. Yeah, I scored a 48-47 Santagen as well. Uh, look, a very, very close fight. They came out, um, and I uh, Santagen almost had that triangle in the first round after landing a few nice shots. 
Um, but it TJ, looks like he. It looks like he just let go of it or something. He did. Do you I know? know. How, I, I know exactly what happened. I'll tell you. TJ, he went for a leg lock. It was a Brazilian tap by TJ. TJ really? like tapped his arse, didn't cut his shorts to make it look like he wasn't Brazilian Ooh, tapping. I missed that. And he let it go. Yeah, I saw it straight away, and then I saw him grabbing the shorts. And like I'm not 100 percent sure if, but like do you know sometimes when this guy's Brazilian tap, then the, the submission is never let go straight away. It's always like a couple of seconds later, after the person who has the submission kind of half realizes, okay, they didn't tap, but they're not tapping. If you know what I mean, they're not yeah, giving up. Maybe, but didn't didn't the ref shout like let go of the shorts like yeah, right as it happened as well did, so yeah. like obviously Sandhagen would have heard that and maybe not let go but maybe it's a reflex or like a muscle memory to exactly you know in the gym let go of those submissions but uh, uh yeah, yeah if uh, I didn't actually hear his post for interview he didn't complain about that or anything no no he, I did, he didn't know but I don't like he might have even seen it you think, you think he'd, that would be mentioned maybe, maybe it'll be maybe mentioned in the, the post for post fight yeah. press conference you know maybe it was as clear as that to me now maybe i miss uh, i was only i was only looking at it live but to me it, even if it wasn't even if it was just the grabbing of the shorts that could be something that would just put you off that it just take you out of it enough to move or maybe look maybe he just did move but that was in tight and that was a good um you know a bit of bit of uh effective grappling from from sandhagen there in around that i think a lot of people yeah, scored he landed a nice shot. shot right before he yeah. he kind of maneuvered into that position as well mm-hmm. and uh after that then i think that was when tj kind of popped his knee or twisted his knee in some way yeah. uh and I think that was maybe, you know, uh, uh, you know, that round was very close, but I gave it to TJ with the second round. I think TJ maybe had in his head about the knee and wasn't yeah. really sure and was kind of testing out the limits of what he could do and what he couldn't do with it. And maybe that's kind of uh, played into Sandhagen winning that round. Yeah, I like... I agree. At the end of the first round, I thought TJ did enough. Like TJ was grabbing the fence as well for a for a guy who was out for two years off a drugs ban. He certainly didn't we, give we, up. The we've cheating. talked about this before, though. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this before, though. You, you, you might as well do yeah, that. Like, you, you know, do, yeah. when do we ever see? When do we ever see if you grab the cage or you put your toes in the cage or your fingers in the cage or you mm-hmm. grab the shorts? Like we, there's a few incidents over the years, but like in how many thousand fights is that? Like you know, one comes to mind. Norman Park got a point taken in. Uh, in what ended up being a drawn fight, I think, yeah, uh, because Fernando, of that. Yeah, was it or, yeah? Um, was it was Santos, maybe? Or, yeah, it in Brazil, was it? Yeah. Thiago Santos, maybe, I think it was. Maybe. But uh, grabbing the fence, like, I think the the ref said to Dillashaw, if you keep doing that, you're going to lose the position. Mm-hmm. Not even I'm going to take a point, <laughs> you know? He's already been grabbing the shorts, grabbing the cage, so you might as well do it, like, just mm-hmm. keep doing it, like, what? Why wouldn't you? I think he even had another foul in the fifth round as well and was warned about it as well. But, uh, you know, you're just going to get away with it. So you might as well do it. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. in any sport, like, you know, in soccer, if, you, if you're going to get away with pulling the jersey or grabbing the guy in a corner, you're going to do it. Yeah, 100, yeah, 100%. I, I would agree. Like, and that's why I, you know, I've talked about it in, in depth before. The I think there should be a rule change where it's not a point taken uh, necessarily unless it's flagrant, unless it keeps happening. I think we, we need to find a way to... Uh, um, uh, you know, give something to someone, uh, the victim of that immediately, whether it's a fence grabber or what else. And uh, you know, I've talked about this before, so I won't go into it again. But in this one, like I th- there was, there, there was definitely things uh, in the first round. But look, as I said, they, they weren't, uh, they weren't. Nothing was done by Herb Dean, who's a terrible referee. But it, it, it did move on. Look, T- I thought TJ won that as well. But you know, it was a close round. But I definitely think TJ did enough in the second. As you said, I didn't think he could move enough, and Corey just. Landed that straight left enough times. He was everyone was complaining about the spinning shit he was throwing, and I think rightly so. He was kind of just giving up uh, the periods of the fight he was winning. It felt like Sandhagen would stop fighting for like two minutes of the fight, and then fight for like two and a half minutes or two minutes of the fight as well, and in the end it'd be closer. One section it'd be close. It was weird when you when you do, do you that. Think that was a thing of like you know trying to go five rounds. Yeah. I think they mentioned he hadn't even been three rounds in. I do. Yeah. In the last three years, so. He did look a little bit tired more quickly than than TJ did. Like obviously, five rounds at a high pace is is very tiring. But uh, you know, maybe because in his mind, he, you know, he isn't experienced at going these rounds that he needed to kind of take breeders. But you know, you can't do that against somebody like TJ Dillashaw. You know, he's gonna 
he's going to make these rounds very difficult and obviously you know uh, whichever way you scored it like I, I scored it for Sandhagen whichever way you scored it though it, it was too close for comfort in yeah. terms of you know I think both fighters I, I think you, you're right I, I thought he was tired at one stage as well, but it came into like the fourth round and he was moving fine. He, I don't know, was it a second win? But he looked good. And I think maybe he was too worried about his cardio. I think maybe if he had that fight again, he wouldn't be as worried about it. I think maybe... You know, we, and we talked about it before, even say with Ian Gary going five rounds in cage wars. He's kind of proven to himself he can do it. So if he fights that fight again, maybe he'd be better to fight over five rounds. And maybe he'd even end it quicker, you know. And it's been the same with other fighters down through the years. It's been a thing we've obviously talked about a lot when since the, the kind of the five round main events and now even more have come into the sport. But uh, I definitely saw that. Like and it, the the fight because of the way TJ was moving in that second, I think he had could have had the ability to up the pace a little bit and finish that fight, but he didn't. Now I'm not saying he could should go out and easily finish TJ, but in the third I think it was halfway through the third, maybe, that TJ started moving better. He said between rounds that his leg was okay. And I think he kind of convinced himself it was and then started moving fine afterwards. And It's probably the adrenaline now that got him through. The leg could be still fecked up or the knee. But he definitely started moving better. But then he got that really bad cut. Um, I thought it was very, very close on the feet. I saw a lot of people giving this round to, um, to Sandhagen. Um... But like I just gave it to TJ, then I gave the fourth to Sandhagen, so I gave the uh, the first to TJ, the second to Sandhagen, the third to TJ, and then the fourth to Sandhagen. And the, the fourth was very close as well. I yeah, think like you know that spinning close. back fist at the end really kind of sealed it. Like that yeah. might have even just stole it from. Yeah, and what the fuck was that? <laughs> what was that noise? You just muted at the wrong time. Was that a was that a dog roar or what was it? I'm sorry, we got two dogs in the bed here. <laughs> that's what you get at 4 o'clock in the morning that's staying in the podcast it's fine um, I thought in the 4th and the 5th I gave the 4th and the 5th to Corey Sandhagen and the reason I did was I just thought there was too much clinching out of TJ Dillashaw um, you know we look at the, the revised criteria and we see what you score with and even though the, like the issue with this round was TJ Dillashaw landed some shots from the clinch and probably won like 3.5 minutes of both of these rounds, like in a very small way, with a few small strikes, and I think nothing impactful, really. Nothing impactful, but I think Corey Sandhagen maybe won like ninety seconds, or maybe even maybe a little bit more, man, or maybe less in another round of it. But it because he won less of the round, even though he did it with more impactful stuff, I think it looked closer and may have been scored closer because of that. Now I think that goes for a lot of rounds, but. <sighs> It was one, the thing about it as well. Later in the fight, I don't think Sandhagen's impactful shots were as impactful as they were early on the fight. That kind of slide away straight left that he kept on landing was a really good shot, um, but it didn't seem to be doing as much damage on TJ as it yeah. as I think it had the leg kicks that. have to be credited there from TJ as well. Though. Yeah. He did up the leg kicks as the as the rounds went on and. You know, they always take a toll as well in terms of being tired and the pop in your shots is already gone. You've eaten a bunch of leg kicks. TJ mentioned himself in the post-fight interview as well that he had that back position a lot, but because of the knee, he felt he couldn't put in his hooks. I think he said he felt some kind of, you know, pop or, or twist when he tried to put in his hooks. So, yeah. you know, in that position probably that he was getting into in terms of the grappling would have been a much more advantageous position if he could have, you know, uh, got a hooks, got the hooks in or got a body triangle in there mm-hmm. and land some ground pound there. So, you know, uh, uh, he still went back to it even though he wasn't even trying to put the hooks in. You know, if he had ended up losing the fight like I thought he did, it would have been, it would have, you know, it would have been probably where he threw the fight away, but, you know, he just about edged it in the judges' eyes, though, so, you know, fair play to him. But uh, it could have been a very costly kind of stall position that uh, that cost him the fight if if, uh, if our scorecards were were the ones being I have, uh, I have the scorecards here, right? So all three judges agreed with us in the first three rounds. Everyone scored the first for TJ, the second for Sandhagen, and the third for TJ. So that's the way I had it. Um, two judges or one judge scored the fourth for TJ, and one do- judge scored the fifth for TJ. So 
that uh, Derek Cleary scored both the fourth and the fifth, and he was the only judge who scored both the fourth and the fifth for uh, for TJ Dillashaw. So it came down to that, you know, it came down to the fourth and the fifth. One judge gave TJ the fourth. Uh, if that judge is yeah. if that judge is looking at those leg kicks and he's giving them like you know more. Thinking they're more impactful than maybe at the time myself and yourself were giving them credit for, then you know that's completely justifiable. Yeah, and it's it's a it's one of those weird cards as well, right? Where TJ Dillashaw, uh, like two, he this, if you if you go to the fourth and fifth round, right? TJ Dillashaw lost the fourth round two cards to one. He lost the fifth round two cards to one, but still won it. <laughs> which is a bit weird that doesn't it that feel it feels like it doesn't make any sense but he did win two of the first three rounds so that's how it makes sense i suppose but yeah it was uh you'd think it came down to the last two rounds but it, yeah i know maybe i'm four o'clock in the morning speak there but anyway uh, that's how it was scored i uh, overall though i thought tj dillashaw when we talked about misha tate last week and uh how she kind of looked different physically but seemed to have like more cardio in her. I thought that's how TJ Dillashaw looked. I didn't think he looked as ripped or as muscular as he once did. I thought he looked. <laughs> and as the fight went on, I was I wasn't saying that he was completely out of shape or anything, but I didn't think he looked like in his normal shape that he is in. May you know maybe that's impossible to get when you're two years out, or maybe he has adjusted it to be. A more cardio-driven fighter than he once was, and I think you look at work for him the way he he kept going on the fight after two years out. But uh, what did you think of the performances? The, I I suppose we talked about Sandhagen and his kind of only fighting for half a minute or a minute and a half in each round. What did you think of TJ's performance after being two years out of the cage? And I know for for drugs for EPO, we must mention it obviously. Yeah, I think you know, uh, obviously, two and a half years out of the cage is is very difficult. Uh, you, you know, uh, the game the game moves so fast, and you know, Corey Sandhagen's had a lot of fights in 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 the time. But I think you know, as we talked about the the five round experience that TJ has, the the caliber of opponent he has uh, for years, he's he has fought. So uh, you know, if this was um, if this was an older guy, maybe I'd, it would be harder. You know, I think his timing maybe wasn't wasn't you know what 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 it was at his, at his prime, but uh, that's to be expected after this much time out. So, with all the things going around, going going on around him, kind of you know uh, coming coming back, a lot of people not happy. Uh, like you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's strange because. TJ, okay, he's not a well-liked guy or anything, but I think he's getting a little bit more stick than, you know, the average guy who comes back from a two-year drug ban from USADA gets. I don't know why that is. Like, he came out and kind of owned up to it. So maybe, you know, you would think that would give you some, in like, you know, the legal system that would give you some credit, but in in the public's eyes, it kind of seems that you're better off just, you know, making up some bullshit about some Mexican beef or something. Yeah, I feel like at the time when he did fail it, and we talked about it at that time. We thought he might get a bit of credit for it. I did a bit of a podcast this week and didn't really even mention that. Um, but I was thinking about it afterwards. It's funny you mentioned it there that he really hasn't. You know, that didn't help him at all. And, like, a lot of people who are criticizing him are... Look, a lot of people are fucking anti-USADA and they're still criticizing him. But a lot of people are, like, pro-drug testing, big drug testing, pro-USADA. Yet he served his USADA time. He served his two years. Like, I, uh, unless you're like you want someone banned for life for taking drugs, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to understand that. Like, if you either get behind it, you get behind the system. You don't get behind the system. So, I don't know. Look, at TJ Dillashaw served his time for me, and I think he's people should be allowed to serve their time and come back if that's the system we're under. So, I don't know. But yeah, I, I look, I thought he looked good. I thought it was a good performance. I didn't think he won, but it was a very close fight by no means a robbery. So. Uh, he moves on now. I think he did a lot better than a lot of people were yeah. were predicting before the fight. I, I do as well. But having said that, I'm not sure he has long left and at the very top. He is old for that division and, you know, uh, the game moves along very, very quickly. And Peter Yan or, or uh, Aljamain Sterling even are, are a big, big, uh, big, big task if he meets them next. But however... Um, Right, you saw the Artem fight tonight, I actually just missed it and I haven't been able to catch up on it since, but uh, he fought in BKFB or bouted in, in BK, bare knuckle, how, how did it go, what did, what did you think of it? Yeah, it was in like a <laughs> sand pit. It was the coolest uh, thing I've ever seen. Or, uh, yeah, it's like sandbags <laughs> all around the place and I think they could have put a few more and make it a bit higher, but uh, 
maybe that was for for some kind of cameras and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, yeah our time obviously came to came to fight and uh, threw a lot of punches early. But uh, his opponent just had more um, crisp uh, punches, and uh, I think the turning point was a. Uh, Couple of nice body shots that kind of turn turn the fight to uh, to one side, and I think there was a two or three eight counts that our time took, and by the third one, you you, you just knew there, there there was you know an inevitability to this. So uh, you know um, it's a <laughs> it's a crazy sport if you can call it that really great yeah. <laughs> um, the look of it is like it look it looked like something they're filming like a movie scene or something you know Snatch or something, it looked like <laughs> yeah yeah it actually does it looks it looks like that you know there was one uh, there was one video i saw last week in the lead up to this where they're wearing jeans yeah that was class <laughs> <laughs> that looked exactly like it, it was like from yeah. a movie or something You're like what movie is this uh, but sure, yeah. But the uh, you know, fair play to Artem. And look, I I I said it last night as well after the Paige Van Zandt Rachel Ostevich uh, bout. I'm not a fan of bare knuckle boxing. I don't like it at all, to be honest. Uh, but I would not criticize the fighters one minute for going out and getting that money while it's still there. It's not going to last. This bare knuckle stuff is just absolutely not going to last. Um, but take that money while you can get it. Absolutely take the money. It doesn't hurt your MMA record or anything except like that. For, so. Except for if you're Polly Mazanagi. Yeah. Well, he yeah. He definitely should have done that. <laughs> probably not, actually. But he probably got paid pretty well, but however. Um, right. Let's move on to uh, next week. And we'll run through this UFC card pretty quickly because the Beldor card is the main one from next week. Not a fantastic UFC card, uh, but there's some people to, to look out for. Seven Norian Koski is taking on Philip Rowe. Uh, in the undercard here, Ryan Benite is on the card at, at Flyweight. Always fun to see the Flyweights uh, in action as well. Um, there's about 50 fights in this card. Chris Grootsmacher is on the card here. Uh, the former champion of the world, Nico Montagno, but 135 pounds. She still is a 4 and 3. It seems like she hasn't fought in about 10 years. Uh, Munir Lazez against uh, Nicholas Stolz. That should be a good fight. Uh, Lazez has been training with um, John Mitchell, Ireland's own, for the last while. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like. Brian Barberino, always a fan favourite, fighting Jason Whitsamp. Sam Alvey will probably circle around and be smiling and may knock someone out, but probably will lose. Uh, Ronnie Aya will probably um, triangle someone on this as well. And then in the comment event, Shami versus Chris Dawkins, uh is the fight. Chantel Boys actually against Gloria the Polio 115 as well in the main event. Sean Strickland against Uriah Hall. I went back and watched a bit of Strickland, uh, who the, Brendan Allen, I was watching him fighting. He fights... He fights very differently a lot of the time to Sean Strickland. In that fight, he was fighting a very straight-up boxing type of fight that you very rarely see in MMA. But that actually might not be the worst style in the world for Uriah Hall if your chin can hold up. Now, it could be a terrible fight, <laughs> fighting style for Uriah Hall if you can't have if you don't have good footwork and you don't get inside and uh, and land that boxing. But if you're able to get inside in the Hall and put the pressure on him, I think it could be. Tough for Hall, but I would favour Hall in this one. I just think he will be kicking from the outside. He's a little bit too fast for Sean Strickland. Um, and I feel like, you know, he has been... I think Uriah Hall, he gets criticised a lot. And he's deserved a lot of it over the years. But I don't think recently he has. I think he's become a more intelligent fighter, more cerebral fighter. Um, and I think he will prick Sean Strickland apart over three or four rounds here and knock him out. I would say in the second half of the fight well, how do you see that one Graham it's a, it's a fun main event not a, not a great card though I don't know about that um, I don't know if Uriah Hall has really turned the corner the way maybe you think he has no. you know Strickland's kind of been on the up he's he's, he's a difficult fighter to to figure out it seems uh, it seems every time you go in there he kind of stifles his opponent and you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does that to Uriah Hall here um, I just don't really trust Roy Hall <laughs> in a big fight yeah. against a good guy. You know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it, like I, I think it is going to be one of those fights where, like, it, it's it's tough to know sometimes which Roy Hall is going to show up and what we're going to see from him. But I don't know. I just I I do trust him a bit more. I think he is a better fighter than maybe we we've given him credit for over the last while, and I think he has been. 
a bit unfairly maybe spoken of over the last while um and i think uh, i think he'll win this but we shall uh, i suppose we shall see how it goes and uh, we'll see how, how they get on uh next week as well uh, i believe it's cage warriors card over in america the first one they have um with a lot of american fighters and i thought we were going to see maybe some from this side of the world uh but uh, is that next week i think it is next week it's the first of august isn't it graham you can google it there well i'm in the darkness here i can't even i was trying to google it there but i can't my i can't even see my fucking thing um also as well coming up very soon palahan is fighting over in combat chase america we talked about that a couple of weeks ago so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on uh we're recording this on saturday night obviously but um on sunday this week danny nyland is fighting ryan spillan is fighting um uh, there was another few fights as well and actually as we're speaking uh ian o'neill is is putting something together about it now um and the uh, the usc card as well so we'll see the results up there tonight i think shauna bannon was, was fighting there as well so um Big weekend for Irish MMA and, and lots of uh, uh, big weekend coming up next week as well, I suppose. And, you know, Ian Gary, Dean Barry as well, giving out about people not talking about him. But hopefully he'll be fighting soon as well. So, um, you know, uh, big update probably next week. And myself and Ian might be doing the chasing pack as well at some stage as well. So, uh, yeah, that should be fun. But the Bellator card next week and the main event especially, this is the big one coming up here. Um the undercard has some fun fights on it. Brian Moore, uh, we talk about a big week for Irish MMA. Kiefer Crosby fighting Georgie Carcanyon. I was watching a bit of the, obviously we mentioned the the Brian Moore Jared Scoggins fight and accidentally broke that a while back. Uh, but uh, that's it's a big fight for Brian Moore. You know Scoggins ten and one in his career. Okay, this is his uh, first fight for. Uh, for Bellator, but he won the CFFC bantamweight title in his last uh, fight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he's a very, very good record, you know, lots of rounds under his belt as well, and lots of experience um, fighting in in, uh, in some of the big organizations over in America, has fought in LFA uh, as well. So, you know, maybe not the big name Brian Moore was hoping for, but a very, very tough task. And, you know, Brian Moore, he was... He was when the was uh, what are they called? The rankings came out at the start for Bellator. He was right up there, and he was ranked, and he kind of fell out of them for some odd reason. Um, and I think maybe if he had stayed in, he would have been able to get a bigger fight. But if he does win this, I think he'd be back into him, and he'd be back into a big fight as well. But this is one of those fights where it's probably tougher on, uh, you know, tougher than it looks in terms of when you hear the name at first and when you look at the record maybe you'll see it but this is a a big fight for brian moore isn't it graham going over to uh to america as well yeah it is you know you kind of mentioned there that he's kind of you know maybe not getting the recognition you know dropping out of the rankings that he deserves brian moore but um i, I don't really know much about his opponent's goggins but brian moore's record maybe holds him back in terms of people uh rating him and you know I, his positioning on the card here it seems like uh, the card I'm looking at here that he's the, you never know what the second fight of the night which yeah. yeah I was just thinking that as I was saying <laughs> you know Kiefer I can see Kiefer's name ahead of him there and we, we all remember that, uh, missing the Kiefer fight because the mm-hmm. the fight order we were all sent with it was so off that uh, we thought we had a couple of errors but we'd actually already missed the fight <laughs> yeah, so it, it, uh, what the fight has happened yeah it has but yeah you never know about her such so, so tune in early hopefully this will be on Virgin Media 2 as well rather than sports and we'll all be able to actually watch it but tough fight for Kiefer as well though Georgie Carcanyon we saw what he did against uh, against yeah. Rezer it's, uh, especially after key for losing his last fight now i went back and watched that fight uh this week and you know maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked at the time for Kiefer. he did well at the start of the fight but he took a lot of big shots in that fight he had a bad bad cut as well i know it's a good while ago now but uh to recover mentally i suppose from that is one thing physically i'm sure he'll be 100 percent uh recovered and everything because it's been a good while but going in against car canyon who's a good wrestler good on top you know kiefer has been out as well training with james galler and and um and james kraus for the last uh, couple of i don't know maybe months or weeks he's been out there for a while and i've seen him putting up pictures and i'm sure that's a very very good thing we saw, uh, saw Derek minner tonight who okay he fought um 
Darren Elkins, and, and obviously it ended badly for him, but you could see his ability and his wrestling ability. He'd be a perfect guy to train for, uh, you know, uh, going in to fight Carcanyon. Okay, a bit smaller, but uh, Carcanyon has fought down 145 before and things as well. But big fight for Kiefer. It's one of those ones that's a risky one, but I feel like Kiefer has kind of been wanting a risky fight <laughs> over the last few years, hasn't he? And if he wins it, it could propel him a bit through that division, couldn't it? Well, it's definitely a name. If he's looking for a name, you know, this is a guy who's fought fought everybody. You know, uh, he's fought. Uh, you know, uh, how many times? What is it? Forty-two times. He's fought. Uh, he's fought the best. The best guys in a lot of different promotions. He, his losses are to like Bellator veterans or, or really good guys. You know, AJ McKee, Emmanuel Sanchez, Henry Corrales, uh, Pat Curran, Weichel. You know, back to Pitbull and Warren back in his early losses. You know, this guy has has fought a lot of tough guys. He has a lot of experience. He's been in there at the top level uh, in Bellator. So uh, it's a it's a really tough fight. You know, um, you might think that if Kiefer had a won his last fight or two, that this would be the fight to make. But coming off, you know, uh, obviously, you know, two losses in a row is 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 uh is difficult and mm-hmm. you know this is a huge huge fight for him and it's it's you know it, <laughs> couldn't have really you know chosen a, a harder guy if you were if, if you were making me predict I, I would have predicted uh you know that he would have got a, a no name with a with a decent record to kind of bounce back from yeah but but uh you know obviously he's as you said he's gone off and you know changed up his, his training a bit for this so Hopefully that will that will pay dividends here, but uh, you know uh, this is a this is a very difficult fight. Yeah, a hundred percent. Magomed Magomedov was supposed to be fighting Rafian Stotson this, but it's it's out that's off as well. Um, Magomed Sharapov, who's the brother of Magomed Sharapov, was supposed to be on this card, but that fight is also off. Um, but there are some very good fights. Ilaria Joanna, the Arya Stark lady, is on this card against uh, Vanessa Porto. That's a tough fight for her. Uh, Chris Gonzalez, six and zero against Kaichi Yamamoto, who's uh, thirty fights deep. Uh, former champion Bryn Primus is on the card against Islam Magomedov. Us, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov against Manny Muro, uh, Nurmagomedov uh, 12-0. So that's a big fight for him. He could be right into title contention with that one as well. And speaking of title contention, Mads Burnell in the co-main event against Emmanuel Sanchez. What a fight that is. And Mads, uh, you know, we've been saying it for a while from his cage warriors time that this guy is one of the best fighters in the world. Um, outside of the UFC and maybe even inside of the UFC where he probably should still be if they hadn't been ridiculously uh, letting people go there at one stage. But big fight and a very fun fight against Emmanuel uh, Sanchez. But the main event, uh, AJ McKee... Just before you go on to the main event yeah. there, I just want to mention that uh, I, I said that Kiefer had lost his last two, but he actually w- won the second last one by split decision oh, and... A highly debated, uh, highly debated decision. So that I, Mike Jackson, Michael Jackson, wasn't it before that as well? The the uh, the neck press, remember that one? Yeah. Oh god. Oh god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I, I hope he's recovered. <laughs> I hope he's okay. Pray for my hashtag. Pray for we Michael Jackson. We, we forgot to start that GoFundMe for him. <laughs> We're on Michael Jackson. Oh God, he moonwalked his way out of that fight. Anyway, uh, Patricia Pitbull versus AJ McKee. Like this, this, this is a fight where I look at it on paper and I think AJ McKee will win. But then I watch the Pitbull fights uh, and I just see him like walking forward and just like torpedoing people to fucking into outer space with, with his fucking uh, his big shots and I'm like well, maybe not like McKee does put himself in he's 17 and 0 but he's not a 17 and 0 where he's never been tested or never been put into awkward positions like even in that fight where he won recently with that weird submission like he wasn't in the best <laughs> he wasn't in the best position then you know and he's he's had some tough fights over the last while fought Darian Caldwell in that fight I, I just mentioned fought Derek Campos fought Car Canyon, fought Pat Curran, Daniel Crawford, even you know Brian Moore in 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 you know Brian Moore's well maybe not his backyard but in his training grounds backyard I suppose and he's um, and he didn't have it all his own way no. you know he had a crowd on his back he had yeah. a, a bit of adversity in that fight and he he came out with the finish so, or he came out with the the victory so you know uh, it's a really tough fight to call it's a it's definitely a big step up for AJ. Uh, He's looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, he's he's 
blown through his last uh, three opponents with you know relative ease and he hasn't he hasn't he's never lost you know uh, if you look at uh, Pitbull's record he, there's a loss on there against uh, Benson Henderson due to a leg injury but you know I think you can kind of you can kind of take that off there and his last decision his last loss before that was nearly six years ago to Strauss and I think he's a he's a much uh, better, better yeah. fighter now he's he's much more, uh, more well-rounded and developed in, in every every uh, facet of the game so uh, you know, he, he's beaten Sanchez, he's beaten Chandler, he's beaten Pedro Carvalho, uh, he's beaten Sanchez again with a guillotine choke in his last fight. He's been on a real tear. This is a, this is one of the best Bellator fights uh, in a long time that I can remember, and I'm very excited about this one. Yeah, I, th- I think AJ McKee will try to be very elusive on the feet. Like, we talk about uh, needing five rounds in your back pocket and needing that uh, that, that cardio. I think he will, because uh, I think he will not want to be get caught early by, by Pitbull. And maybe, you know, maybe he has that ability to take it late um, and, and wear him down a little bit. But, you know... McKee in a, in a top level fight like that gone five rounds he, that isn't something he's really proven yet either you know so um, and, and I suppose like how can you prove it until you prove it against someone as, as good as Pitbull there are people like Pitbull just walking around especially not in Bellator so uh, I, I think look I think it will be one of those ones where it will be him being elusive and Pitbull trying to cut off the cage and trying to walk him down and trying to land shots uh, in, in the last while um, I think cutting off the cage has become something that MMA fighters are way better at than they once were. I think it was a thing before that we used to talk about an awful lot, but that people didn't do very well. And I think it's actually the opposite now. So, you know, I'm not not going strictly on that, but I feel like Pitbull... I feel like that will be a bit of an advantage for Pitbull. I think AJ McKee's jiu-jitsu is very good. We've seen it, and he's funky, and he's good on the ground. Uh, If it managed to go there, you know, Pitbull... Uh, he comes inside an awful lot and lands big shots, but if he misses them, sometimes he like ends up barreling lads to the cage or barreling to the ground, and it there's you know tends to be scrambles and things like that. So um, if, if McKee is able to maybe drag him down a little bit, I think you could get him there. But I like McKee hits hard as well, and he will try to land big shots and you know big shots from the outside and be elusive while doing that as well. So this is a fight. Like I think AJ McKee is a, a more varied and maybe not necessarily well-rounded fighter where pitbull is more uh basic maybe but in a in a very very dangerous way and he is more dangerous i think because of that so uh i, I don't know who's going to win this fight i'll probably if you ask me five times in the next week i'll probably tell you maybe three two one way or the other way and that's the sort of fight that we absolutely love so if you're not a big bellator fan if you just watch the ufc or maybe cage wires and ksw and all those this is the one you need to watch, and trust me on that. This is the uh, this is the fight you need to watch, and I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And it should be fun. And also rumors uh, that Bellator are coming back to Ireland as well in the year. Um, MMA Junkie reported that. I uh, my understanding of it is not official yet, but we should know in the next two weeks. So let's uh, let's wait and see on that. Uh, but I have the Gibson booked anyway, just in case. So let's <laughs> let's let's hope it happens. But <laughs> well, you, do you know what is official? Yeah. Oh, I like on a Solskjaer's new contract. Yeah, well, we won't get into that. I, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, I like a bit of all, yeah. <laughs> He's kicked, kicked it off nicely with a 4-2 loss to QPR. QPR, yeah, yeah, right, sure, look. That's not a thing to get into at 4-12 in the morning, Graham. I think we leave, <laughs> we leave that. We'll actually, you know what, we'll have to do a podcast. We might get Ken Early on again. We might say it to him, try to get him on before the season starts to do another podcast, but probably shouldn't have said that on air. But look, we put it out there now anyway, so we're going to have to do it. Uh, right, let's end it there. Graham, thank you very much. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't let the people down, Ken. Don't, Don't let, let the people down. down, Ken. Don't let them care. We know, we know you listen. We know you listen. I was actually listening to one of the second captain's podcast today, and Ken wasn't on it. Funnily enough, of talking about GA, but uh, anyone have any? If anyone has any good podcast uh, recommendations as well, like GA podcasts or anything, like that let me know because Limerick are so class now. It's for Limerick and Dublin, Graham. I think I feel like it's us. We're bringing Limerick, Limerick and Dublin to like different levels yeah. of GA. Just because of the I think most people in Dublin just don't really care about uh, GA. Ah, I, I feel like a good few of them do. In fairness, now, so a good a good few of them do, but it's not like you know, it's not like down in in your neck of the woods where it's everything. I don't know. I don't know. I feel. I don't know. 
a lot of people do, but there's there's different like in Limerick, a lot of people don't give a shit. And my part of Limerick as well is mostly football, but uh, there's a lot of rugby and stuff in Limerick as well. But in yeah, in certain like Kilkenny, there's not in or Kerry, there's fuck all else. You know, only hurling in Kilkenny and only football in, in Kerry, but I know there's a bit of hurling in Kerry in place as well, but however. But this is not a conversation for today. Thank you to everyone. Graham, good luck. Any parting words? Has a dog anything to say? No? Not to say. Uh, no, he's, he's back asleep he's now. <laughs> Alright, go on. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next time. Good luck.